Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast. I'm Weldy, sitting with Andrew. We've got off-season extravaganza uh, podcast number, I don't know, two, three of the off-season. I guess if you count the draft uh, that we just did. And I know everyone's on pins and needles uh, about the draft. Now, I know the results. Andrew, you don't know the results. So where, where do you think you ended up out of the four of us? I doubt I was first, but I doubt I was last either. So I'll go third. Gotcha. Perfect. So we'll, uh, we'll have that at the end of the show, uh, towards the end of the show. And um, we'll also have um, the snub team that was voted on also by the fans. And there was um, some interesting omissions. We had to go to a tiebreaker um, on one of them. And, or on actually two of them, uh, we had uh, tiebreakers that we had to go to another round of voting for, and you guys helped with that. So, um, you know, first thing I want to say is obviously thank you to everyone um, for really engaging with us um, for, the, for the draft. You guys had some really healthy debates about who was snubbed and, um, you know, overall good response. And it was it was a lot of fun. And a special thanks also to Go Huskies Woo and uh, Zamora for coming on and uh, you know, banter about Huskies hockey. So that's what makes uh, our fan base wonderful. It really was a great idea. Uh, so salute to my wife. Whatever idea that yeah, was. Salute to, salute to Teresa. So I, uh, summer podcast. Uh, so I'm going to be, you know, I, you know, I should have probably done this off, off, off air, but you know, let's, uh, let's go a little more relaxed you know get a little more calm i'm gonna be i'm gonna be drinking uh looks like you know throwback to the original podcast with uh sharing what we're drinking that week i got a summer shandy here uh actually there we go i have a hop valley pineapple stash hose what and it's actually pretty good it's a hazy ipa it's actually really good like it's a good summer Beer. stash like pistachios or just i think stash house is one of their ipas and this is just like a pineapple version of it oh. I, i'm not positive on that I, I usually just like stock up on these when they go on sale so it's not like i picked this necessarily because i liked it but it was like for five bucks for a six pack but it's actually pretty solid hmm. so I, I recommend it interesting i don't think i've ever heard of that and then after I finished my beer, I thought, what the heck? I also uh, grabbed some bourbon, too. So when, when I'm talking later. Look at you. So I've got a look at you. I've got a bourbon and a beer. So I guess I'm a shot away from a George Thorogood, right? <laughs> there you go. What's so, the uh, what's the bourbon? Uh, I right now I went with the Old Forester 1910, which I think actually is uh, right now my top bourbon um overall uh not sure if i've had their bourbon i think i've had their rye but i don't believe i've had their bourbon before everything everything old forester makes that i've had has been yeah gold. it's pretty strong it's been Mm -hmm. incredibly good so um 
So, I mean, a lot's happened so far this off. I felt like we have more news mm-hmm. uh, this off season than we had last. So, you know, we might actually have some, you know, real size episodes, you know, as you know, we, you know, sometimes go a little bit shorter there in the off season, which I don't actually, you know, we, uh-huh. we might not have actually not at all. Right. Keep in mind the episode before the all time team was our record <laughs> nearly three hours. And we didn't have a new addition to the conference to discuss. So keep that in mind. Well, you got a point. You got a point. So, so let's talk about that new edition. Um, right down in your neck of the nape, nape of the woods. Um, Andrew, who's been basking in 115 degree heat, which feels like for about three weeks now, uh, is going to have a new NCHC team right in his backyard. His heart's always going to be in St. Cloud State, but, uh, you know, uh, they're off. Arizona State's uh, coming into the conference. And, um, was uh, voted on unanimously, unanimously by uh, all the schools. And uh, yeah, they're going to start here, not this season, obviously, but uh, actually the season after, which was a little bit of a surprise to me that they're coming in that early. 2024-25 season, we expand to nine teams in the NCHC. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe I dropped the ball on that one. Like that was, it was, I mean, we're like five minutes in, I, I, I realized I was pushing it a little bit, but I figured that button is pretty, pretty close based on how much we use it. So I'll give, I'll give, I'll give you a second there, but yeah, it was, um, so yeah, it was on a different screen. We're, we're in mid, we're in off season form here, I guess on the podcast. Yeah. You got to give us, give us a, a couple other uh, extra seconds, but, uh, so yeah, coming in next year. Where do we start here? Uh, you know, this is the this was the second time that they had applied. We mentioned going back to the first iteration of the podcast, the what summer of sixteen, they had applied at that time with Mankato, and uh, and that application was denied uh, back then. But a lot has changed uh, in Arizona State's uh, situation since then. Most notably, get a new arena. Uh, previously playing in a building that made the Mac look quality now in the mullet, which obviously also houses the coyotes for the time being as well. And very good facility. It it immediately shoots up to the at least top half of the NCHC in terms of quality of facility, certainly hops St. Cloud and Western Michigan and, I mean, arguably Miami, maybe. I think Miami might be the next oldest building. Actually, the the Ralph might be, but I think the Ralph is still a little better. But anyway, pretty good facility. And uh, also since then, they've made the NCAA, NCAA tournament in 2019. They were in line to also make it in 2020 before COVID shut that down. So the quality of the program has definitely risen since that 2016 time which at that point they had had just one season under their belt and it was a poor one I mean their first three or four years were not good from a wins and losses standpoint so the last couple of years have been more middling for them I think they were in the 35 to 40 range in pairwise this year which was disappointing because I think they had uh, some higher expectations 
uh, based on being the first year in the mullet and having a slew of, of transfer um, players join them this year. So I think their finish this year was, was disappointing uh, in terms of what the uh, expectations they had coming into the year. But so quality of the team, we're talking about facility hopping a couple of teams in NCHC. Quality of play also hops a couple of teams in, in the conference. Again, most likely Miami, which doesn't take much to hop that uh, bar uh, when it comes to wins and losses of late. But I would, my point is I wouldn't expect Arizona State to immediately assume the role of doormat in this conference. I, I, I still think Miami's got that on lockdown for the time <laughs> being. So that those two big points uh, have risen their profile to the to the point where they were an attractive get for yeah. not only the NCHC, but other conferences as well. And yeah, you know, we talked about this around this time last year, one of our summer podcasts was debating uh, future realignment and Arizona state's obviously a big part of that. But, uh, and my, my hunch at that point was the big 10 made the most sense because they had been contracting with them for things like officials uh, on ice discipline, they played the 2020 2021 season, which was the season kind of in the pod for the NCHC. Arizona State spent that entire season on the road playing Big Ten teams because that was really the only chance that they would be able to play anybody. So, just with their previous interactions with the Big Ten and the, the fact that they're a national huge university and more fits in line with the profile of the other big 10 schools. But I don't know if that ever made it to the level of serious discussions uh, regarding Arizona state um, joining the big 10 for, for real. I'm not sure if those discussions were ever broached. I always heard to the, there was the rumor that, I think it's something called the AAU, which is not the like sports organization, but it's something academic based. It's like a association of colleges based on like your doctoral research. And what the hunch was that Arizona state was not a member of that. So that's like a big check in the negative column for Arizona wasn't, state because big 10 schools are a part of this academic organization. Wasn't AAU I don't the that, college that Tommy Mansky's defensive drills that, uh, Fred McGriff, weren't they back to back to back AAU national champions? Well, that's the other AAU, like AAU basketball. Like, yeah, this is a different AAU, and it's it's got nothing to do with sports. It's more your academic. Nothing to do with Fred McGriff and his hat that was on crooked. I don't believe so, but that's a really good poll for us (laughs) '90s kids. Every every Gen Zer is going to be like, "What? Who is Fred McGriff?" This is an instructional video that gets results. And Google it. Google the crime. Probably on YouTube. (laughs) Yep. Good stuff. So yeah, I I was like a core memory back there for me for some reason. But I think actually for a lot of people, he's wearing like a he's wearing like a blue trucker cap, and it's not on straight. And looking, yeah, it's and it sounds it looks just as hip as we're describing it, (laughs) even Uh, back then. Right. God, wasn't there like a catchphrase too or a slogan of some sort? I, I have to go down the rabbit hole now that you've brought it up. It's a good, it's a good memory. Good, good nostalgia. 
But um, but yeah, so the the idea that Arizona State didn't qualify in terms of academics to join the Big Ten, I thought was a tenuous argument because I believe Nebraska doesn't fit that bill either, but they allowed them to join football. Put it this way, if they wanted something like Alabama for their football program, I don't think that they would make a academic requirement <laughs> to allow Alabama right. to join the big 10. I just think that, and, you know, and, and, and university presidents are the ones that vote on membership of universities to sports conferences. It's not just an AD thing. You have to have the university big wigs sign off on it as well. So perhaps that was a, a sticking point, but I, I feel like if, if they just, if they weren't, if they were a more higher profile hockey program, the Big Ten Hockey Conference would have been more interested. And I think that was their ultimate downfall if, as far as they didn't get into that conference. I, again, I don't know how much they tried to formally apply to the Big Ten. That's all sort of unknown for me. We just know that they did try to get into the NCHC seven years ago, were denied then, and now are coming in. Now, so the interesting part is no other, I mean, several interesting things, but we'll kind of go one by one through some of these. So first of all, no other announcement regarding a 10th team or uh, we talked about this. One of the last podcasts about Miami's role here, you know, their AD being on record last year saying, we don't really like the idea of going out to Arizona and sharing a conference with them either. But as you mentioned, this was a unanimous vote, all eight existing uh, schools authorized Arizona state to enter the conference. So that means Miami was on board with this. So at, at this point we are just at nine. There is no Miami, you know, no Miami's leaving in a year or we don't have a 10th team lined up. So I guess the first question is how do you think that settles it? Do you think they're going to stick at nine for now? Or do you think they're actively going to try to get a 10th team in the very near future? Or do you think Miami's going to be like, you know what? See ya. We want to go to the CCHA. What, what, what do you think the, the next move? Cause from my perspective, I doubt that they're going to stick at nine for a while and they're going to want to find a 10th team. Yeah. And, it, or, or that Miami wants to leave. But I mean, the thing there is it, it only took 75% of schools to off to, to okay Arizona state getting in. So they did, technically didn't need Miami's vote one way or the uh -huh. other. Six of the eight teams is all they needed to vote them into the conference. And maybe Miami said it would look weird and it doesn't matter anyway, if we vote no, and it, it would look weird if we were the only ones that didn't. So might as well make it look unanimous yeah. and we can kick the can down the road, whether or not they actually do want to try to move to another conference. So my hunch is barring Miami bailing, which I don't think is a, a high uh, percentage chance. Um, maybe 20%. I mean, classify that as high or low based on what you think, but I would say the next move is to find a 10th team. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to want to stick with nine for a while. Cause I've always thought all of the, I guess, hubbub around Miami and all the whispers. I've always kind of thought that was a little overblown. Um, now, obviously that, column or that sit down with the AD from Miami, you know, you know, there were a couple things in there that kind of did raise some eyebrows, 
and a lot of the talk also was about the time zone thing, which I think was more of a like a, a figure of speech more than actually playing at a later time because obviously it'd be mountain time. It's just the travel, but even the travel, I mean, what they play in it's Tempe, like that's probably easier travel than a lot of places to get to for Miami to travel just to Arizona, be uh, to travel to Arizona state. Cause you just fly into the, what sky Harbor is that the airport that's called. Phoenix. So, I mean, yep. it's just right there. So, um, but I mean, you're looking at NCHC going to have nine teams. You have the big 10, seven teams, and then you have the CCHA that's going to have nine teams with Augustana joined. So, you know, it's just kind of hockey East and Atlanta hockey too. Actually, ECAC will be the only conference with an even number of teams. That's just bizarre. Barring any future, yeah. future uh, realignment. So that's just kind of a weird imbalance here that's going on that I think is, you know, fairly easily, you know, can be remedied. But at the same time that there's all these politics or drama of like, who do you pick? Who moves over? Why do they move over? And it's I, I do think adding a ten team is would be ideal, but um, I, I I guess I don't know where that shoe would fall or where it would go. Yeah. So who's your tenth yeah. team? So now, what? Uh, now I can't remember. Did Lindenwood? Did they say that they were going to go anywhere? I've heard nothing about them. And then obviously you got the. I've heard nothing about any of the other independents like Long Alaska Island, Alaska, and Stonehill. Uh, haven't heard anything regarding those programs. Circling back to what we mentioned about Arizona State's first ap- application, the other team that applied with them, Minnesota State. Uh, I think last year, if this all happened last year, I, I think. Minnesota State would be my uh, leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, as far as who would be the 10th team. With Hastings leaving, though, kind of throws the program into a little bit of limbo from a competition standpoint. I think if Hastings was still there, I think they'd be a lot more attractive. Maybe that's unfair to Minnesota State, but I I think with a new coach and a fairly new roster next year, I'm not sure if we can pencil in Minnesota State as the prohibitive favorite in the CCHA as we have in the last half decade plus with Hastings there. If I have a leader in the clubhouse as far as who the 10th team is going to be, I'm not going to say it's Lindenwood. I'm not going to say it's any of the independent teams. I'm actually going to pick St. Thomas as my leader in the clubhouse for the reason that they're getting a new facility. It would be once they get their new facility built, which I believe is going to open in 2025. Uh, And so I think that uh, makes it attractive to them. I think the fact that they're in a central location, much like how you argued that Tempe, traveling to Tempe is an easier task for a program like Miami or something who has to fly, easier to fly into Tempe slash Phoenix than it is like if you're going to Duluth, you're probably traveling to MSP and then taking a bus for a couple of hours. You're doing that to St. Cloud. Grand Forks, did they travel to Fargo, fly to Fargo, and then bus up to Grand Forks? I don't know if they're flying directly into Grand Forks. Omaha seems pretty simple. And for them, for Miami at least, Kalamazoo is a bus ride. But Kalamazoo for other teams like St. Cloud, 
if they're not flying or if they are flying, it's, there's going to be some driving involved there based on where, if they're going to Grand Rapids or Detroit. So what I'm saying is St. Thomas is a fairly easy travel city because you're right. You're just right in the twin cities. And so there's no additional leg of travel, which I think is easier for those far flung programs that would have to fly to Minnesota to do that for St. Cloud and Duluth and probably North Dakota. This is a bus trip for them. So they'd be all for that. I mean, St. Cloud would love to have another Minnesota team in their conference. So you'd be able to placate the closer programs by adding St. Thomas. And you also have a, you know, a guy like Blasey there who's coached in the conference before uh, he's the big question with them is competition. All right, because they really haven't been a real serious team competitively uh, since they've started, but they're brand new at the D1 level and they seem to be improving uh, each year that they've been part of NCAA uh, and uh, Division One at least. And they have a ton of resources. Um, so I think they check more boxes. And they're also, I think, the Summit League affiliation. I don't know how official that is, the crossover between the Summit League and, yeah. and the NCHC, but there's significant important people involved in the summit league, uh, i.e. Josh Fenton, who has plenty of dealings with the NCHC. So I think that relationship is also a good indicator that they might do some business as a conference partner in the future. And so, yeah. Do you think, and you, I, think I, you know, like you said, being a new team, being in a, a conference, do you think they would be switching that quickly? Like what would be the draw for them? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, they're more, they're more, um, from a competition wise standpoint, they're probably better off in the CCHA just for the short term, because it's going to be easier for them to jump into top half of the standings, let's say in the CCHA than they are the NCHC. Um, so that is certainly a factor. And I, I don't even know, like you're talking about percentages as far as like if Miami wants to leave. And I said 20% there. I don't know if I'd put the percentage of St. Thomas jumping the NCHC at more than 50%, probably 30 to 40% range. Probably right under that, I'd probably still put Mankato because I think they do have a longer track record of high-end competition. Um, but again, that's sort of in flux now with the coaching change. So I'm not saying that these are imminent moves. I'm just, and I've heard Lindenwood, we had a question about them again this week, and you've mentioned them as well in the past. Compare Lindenwood to St. Thomas. If you're the NCHC, which team, which program would you want between those two? I would yeah, want, St. want St. Thomas. If I'm, if I'm having to pick between those yeah, two, true. because they, they have a better facility lined up and they're a much bigger school with way bigger resources. They could definitely afford the buy-in fee if there was one. Right, and right even next though to the they're frozen not, face off. Right next to the frozen face off. And, and, and you've got a lot of even though they might from a lot of schools that are in the Twin Cities now that are right correct. there. So I mean, yeah, I and they might not be so far apart competition wise. I mean, Lindenwood literally was the bottom team in pairwise this year. St. Thomas was what? Low forties, high fifties. I mean, St. Thomas is not good. But and so that might be their biggest the biggest factor for them not joining or at least maybe not joining right away. But I think once they get their new facility and then also right around that time, I think it was, was it five years of a postseason 
ineligible period, kind of a waiting period, jumping from D1 to D, D3 to mm-hmm. D1. I think there was they were they're ineligible to make the NCAA tournament for five years starting in what 2021. So it'll be right around that 25, 26 sure. uh, time period where that will be lifted. And which, I mean, that postseason ineligibility period can crimp them from a recruiting standpoint as well. I mean, who really wants to go there if they have no chance of making the tournament? So once that's lifted, that's going to be right around the time that they, they open their new arena. And they've got a lot of resources, uh, advantages like, like that, that, I would say in 10 years, St. Thomas will be a pretty viable program. And so maybe it's one of those things where you lock them, whereas Arizona State sort of had to prove it, you you, you might be able to offer St. Thomas a sort of an early step into the program where they don't necessarily need to prove it competition-wise before they offer them a spot because they have so so many other advantages going in their favor. So... I think that, yeah, so that would be my early best guess as far as who is a 10th team. Now, again, if Miami says, hey, we want to bail, then maybe they stick at eight and they they don't move on past that. Who knows? Perhaps Miami will make the situation, will will help dictate the situation based on here. But I, I do have to say that I give you the credit for when we brought that up at one of the last podcasts about this Miami situation, you were like, you know, there's a lot of smoke, but I don't see a fire here. And comments on some fans blog last year, I think has been maybe not overblown, but kind of, because like I said, they voted to let Arizona state in, which sort of goes against what the, uh, what the ADs sort of, preference against adding Arizona state uh, was last year. So we just don't have the tangible evidence that they really want to move. Mm -hmm. And so I, I I think the Occam's razor that you were sort of hinting at is, was correct. Again, that might change, but we just don't have enough evidence that uh, makes me think that they're really itching to leave anytime soon. So we'll see. I, I, I would say the easy choice would be to move to 10. Um, but the wheels are in motion there. And so I guess we can so, move on. Yeah, to... with, I mean, with the new alignment in, in adding a ninth team, we've got new natural rivals yep. or I guess I don't designated rival. I, well, I, yeah. So yeah. So what I want to so, move into is the, the scheduling implications. Yeah. So, so there, there's going to be St. Cloud now is going to be kind of in, we're going to have four games, uh, no matter what against, uh, North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth and, um, the mm-hmm. other pods, um, so to speak, as they used were, uh, Colorado college, Denver and Arizona state, and then Omaha, Miami and Western Michigan. Um, so, and then the, uh, other, uh, you know, the, they're not going to add any more conference games, so that's going to stay uh, still a 24. Still stand pat, but there's just going to be more teams that you only see once uh, once a year. So it's, um, yeah, it's, so, I mean, even when Arizona State comes in, we might have to wait to book our tickets down to Arizona State. We, uh, we, St. Cloud might not even be there the first year uh, because, you know, we might just have a home series with them. Um depending on how everything with the schedule shakes out. So, um, 
you know, how do you, how do you feel? You know, our designated rival before was uh, Minnesota Duluth. We played them. It feels like about thirty times over the last three years. Um, so it's it's not far <laughs> off. It's um, yeah. So it's going to be. Um, I think I think that these are you know kind of the ones that make the most sense. I know a lot of people on my timeline from Omaha, Omaha fans, they were a little bit ticked that they felt they got tossed in with the afterthoughts. Um, it's the one outlier. Yeah. But there really was no other better solution, I think. Uh, I mean, it's natural to have, the, you got to have the two Colorado teams in the same mm-hmm. pod. And then it makes the most sense to put them with Arizona State because they're the closest by far to them. I suppose Omaha to Denver might be closer, but you're not going to have Arizona State with Michigan, uh, Western Michigan or Miami or with any of the Minnesota teams or North Dakota. I mean, it just makes the most sense to have Arizona State with the Colorado teams. Yeah. And then it makes the most sense to have the two Minnesota teams together. Natural to put in North Dakota there for, based on geography. It just kind of leaves the other three there. Miami and Western makes sense for them to be in the same pod. Um, just Omaha was the outlier that someone needed to do it. Uh, I would say... I might, if in terms of competition, I wouldn't mind being in Omaha's pod or I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind being in Miami's pod to guarantee four games a year against them. Western Michigan has been a little bit better, but I would say, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll get into a preview, but I I mean, I think Western Michigan's prime for a fall, but I, I, yeah, I, I'm not there. They've had really good seasons, but they're not, they're not a program that I just, give the benefit of the doubt automatically to. So yeah, they could be really good, but they could also be sort of middle of the pack too. Uh, so, and it was so weird when they I'll were say talking this. so much about like the fans that I, I follow and whatnot, they were talking so much about like attendance and whatnot. And like, it's not going to really spark, but it's like, you've had one of the highest attendance in college hockey. You know, they were averaging about 6,000 a game. So like, you know, more than that, I think. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more than that. So, like, winning helps that. <laughs> and winning, right. you know, you're going to – maybe it's a little bit less of a pizzazz, sure, that it's not against North Dakota, but at the same time. Like, you, you didn't – yeah, like, you didn't need North Dakota, to, their fans, to fill up your building because yeah. you're doing it on your own. Uh, what was it? They were playing, <laughs> like, Cloud State needs in the North Christmas Dakota break. to fill up their building. <laughs> right. So, I'll say this about the pod. So, you're – you got – four games each against your other two pod mates, I guess is what we're going to call them. And then for each of the other two pods, I would assume this, I didn't get this clear in the Schlossman article, sort of wrote all these details up. I would assume of the other two pods, you're going to have one team in that pod. You're going to see four times. And then the other two, you're just going to see one series each. And I would hope one on the road and one at home for both other pods that you're seeing. The way that he phrased it in the article made it seem like whoever you're seeing four ser- four games a year is going to be determined. Like I don't want it to be like you're going to see the you're going to have the the Denver CC Arizona pod. And you're going to play four games against Denver and CC, and then one series against Arizona, and then the other division you're only playing one series against all three of those teams. I would doubt that's what's the. I, I would hope that they're going to do four one oh, team per that. other pod. That makes sense. You're going to get four games apiece. That would make the most sense. So if it's going to be that like that, 
you're guaranteed to go to every other program once every two years, at least. Sometimes you'll see them, but back-to-back years going to that facility. So if you're saying trying to go down from St. Cloud to Arizona State, hopefully what I'm saying is I hope there's not going to be more than one year that you don't go to a program. Like there's not going to be two straight years where you don't go somewhere. I, I feel like it's the way that they've split up these pods into three it feels like that's all in service of trying to equally spread the home and road series against the other teams that are not near pod. It seems like that's going to be the plan. And we just haven't heard. Yeah. And I feel that would also be the best for pairwise implications too, because that would still be balanced with, you know, your common opponents. I mean, they would at least play four times against, you know, every like everybody else so it would be a lot more balanced when it comes to that so right and if you are a team like miami who's complaining potentially about travel this way you're guaranteed to not go not take three of those long road trips if you're talking about the the denver cc arizona pod at most you're taking two trips into that region or maybe you're either taking one or two trips per year down there Rather than, I mean, currently, you might, they, most years, they're going to go to Denver and CC both year, both, both in the same year. So this way, it could potentially even sort of alleviate some of that travel. And for, from their perspective, too, Western Michigan's their only bus ride in conference. And Omaha, I think, is fairly easy to get to. I mean, you can just fly into the Omaha airport. So I think that wouldn't be like a schlep of a trip for them. So... It makes the most sense. I'll say this. I think St. Cloud's in, I think that's the pod of death. If we're going to. Women's World Cup right around the corner. Group of death. I mean. I mean, it's teams that I hate. So, I mean, yeah. (laughs) I wish them all death. (laughs) Two two other heels. But then also add St. Cloud there. I mean, they, other than Denver. They're the other three programs in this conference that have had the most consistent success mm-hmm. on the ice and consistent NCAA tournament appearances. And just by the virtue of that alone, St. Cloud and Duluth and North Dakota kind of de facto will have the toughest schedule on an annual basis in the conference based on the fact that they're guaranteed to see each other four times apiece. And so from a, again, I'm for this setup. I like the idea of, of that, as you mentioned, although we have our problems with North Dakota fans in St. Cloud. And you've got your problems with watching Minnesota Duluth play uh, in general. (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, But that gate, the North Dakota games in St. Cloud is a boon to St. Cloud's books, so to speak. So it helps it out, helps them out from that regard and Duluth as well, to a lesser extent. I mean, but those, that's a good rivalry and you're always going to see some in-state fans travel to St. Cloud for those games as well between Duluth and the Huskies. But just from a competitive standpoint, I mean, like I said, I'm looking at that Miami Western and Omaha pod. I mean, that that's, I think the weakest. Uh, and then the Denver pod, just with the, the, by, by virtue of Denver alone, would probably be the second toughest. So there, there will be a sort of unbalanced schedule. It's like that, that 
Miami uh, Western and Omaha, that's like the AL Central <laughs> of the NCHC. Whereas I think St. Cloud's in the AL East. And so did we want to, I was thinking, because they're not going to have divisions per se. This is just more of an informal pod structure for their uh, schedule. So I don't think they're going to go out yeah, of their way to correct. name the no, pods. There's no way. But wouldn't it be kind of fun to name <laughs> should, the pods? Should we? I would say Come up like, with our uh, own names for each grouping. The North for St. Clouds, or do we, because we, we can't really do directions because the, the Western Miami Omaha one throws yeah, it all out right, of whack. Exactly. Can um, we call ours, can I we suppose, call ours the WCHA? <laughs> could do, do that. The McNaughton region? Yeah, yes. And then you could call, <laughs> the, 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 ah, that's good. And then I like the uh, Miami Western and Omaha. They all used to be yeah. the CCHA together. Well, we have to call it like so the, OG, made it a Mason. the OG CCHA. The original yeah. CCHA, but then what? And then what? The um, what's well, what's for the, the? You can't call it the Southwest. The, the but, CCHA, their old tournament was the the Super Six. So how about we call them the go. Super Three? <laughs> we, we can, I like we go. it. So we got the WCHA division, the Super. We just three call it division. the Super. The Super, and then the final for the North, because that was the final five. But fi- so final three, but again, everyone's three. So we just super final. And then Southwest, you know, we got a lot of Spanish speaking population. How about Trace? The, <laughs> the Trace the division? Super, supero Trace. Uh, <laughs> walking a fine line there. But uh, my Spanish is getting better slowly but surely. But uh, yeah, we could have some fun with that. If, you, if any of you uh, listeners out there have a an upgrade from our terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, please, please let, let us know. know. But we can have some fun with that. I am, I am all for it. So, what was the uh, what was the trophy for the CCHA? Do you remember the original? Well, I know it was the Ma- I think it was, was the, Mason the Mason Cup. They might have. That's for their conference now. tournament. Conference tournament champion is the Mason Cup, which I believe they brought over from the old CCHA. Perhaps that was like the McNaughton where, where, where it was the regular season champ. But I think that was the conference. It currently, at least it currently is the conference championship. I think I, I'm not sure. I know, I know CCHA has something that's named after Ron Mason, who used to be the Michigan state coach for many years. So you could use something with that, but yeah, and I I mean, Omaha wouldn't have been in the CCHA. Well, they were they were in the CCHA longer than they were the WCHA. Yep. Uh, but but less than you know maybe ten years, maybe less than that. Um, for they were Omaha, only in the WCHA. They, they were in what, it from ninety nine to twenty ten. Okay, so ten eleven years, uh, and then in the w, WCHA for what three years? Yep. I believe so. They are the, uh, yeah, they, they've kind of dabbled in, in a bunch of different conferences. Find a home. So the well, the well-traveled, well, they're the Mavericks, you know, they roam freely on the range. And so they're always trying to find a home. It's hard to bring They're unbranded cattle. So it's, it's hard to track them down. I wonder if there's going to be like some kind of a showcase then between the, like, like if we've got an odd number in these three conferences, like maybe like CCHA and NCHC can form a partnership where, 
you know, whoever the teams that are done will square off in a non-conference for like a traveling conference trophy, something along those lines. Well, that's another, that's another thing I wanted to bring up was well, a couple of things. We're going to talk about the tournament implications. That's one thing that the NC go back to the super six. It was a, oh, no, I'm thinking Super 8, the, the hotel chain. Um, we've got to get a sponsorship by, by Tom Baudet. Um, Mo, a motel, I think it's Motel oh, 6, motel six Super 8. Not super eight. Combine that's the two. Um, but so there's the tournament implications I, that I want to get to. But then I'm just because this is, you know, an aside and of course, but we do this. But I remember an episode I was listening to of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR and Tom Bodette was on it and he actually said, we'll leave the light on for you. And I flipped out. <laughs> and he said he was actually like on the game yeah. show. Well, he was he, like, so he wasn't just reading, reading his ad. Correct. Yeah, he, like because he he's like one of the he's an actual human being. I, I always just kind oh, of yeah. feel he's more like a robot who just He's an avatar yeah, he's, for the motel chain. And he's just, he's like a conglomeration of like three different humans. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a real good guy. He was, he's on the panel quite a bit for, you know, one of the three. Yeah. Really? Quite a bit. Yeah. Or, I don't know if I've actually ever listened to that. I, I've heard of it. Wait, wait, certainly. don't tell me. I don't really I know the format wait, though. Wait, don't yeah. tell me. It's, it's a wonderful radio show. If anyone has the wonderful. Yeah. It's so, wow. it's so good. It's so going to use that adjective. It, yeah, that sounds highly, highly recommend podcast. Just podcast one episode. I think uh, I think you'll be fan. I, I might have to do I mean, that. You, you'll you'll be fan. I mean, it's I mean it's trivia, so I'm really surprised that you're not a fan. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hot. I run hot and cold with, with trivia, but um, that's that's a different that's a different topic. For, that's a topic for a um, for a, uh, a summer podcast that doesn't have. Oh, that's moves. right. I'm sorry. Okay, that so way. I'm sorry. What conference or tournament implications? That's, well, we're going to okay. get to that, but also you, br- you mentioned like the um, oh scheduling. One team, and one team will be done with like an affiliation schedule before everyone else, right? And I guarantee you that that is going to stick in the craw of coaches. Mm-hmm. The fact that because he got nine teams, one team is going to have a bye weekend, at least in conference, in that last weekend of the year prior to the conference playoffs starting. So I wouldn't be shocked if coaches are going to be like, you got to play on that weekend. And if you're the team that's not scheduled to play a conference matchup that weekend, you got to find a non-conference team to do that against. Now, the good thing is we've mentioned big 10 CCHA, at least those two other conferences in the West also have odd numbers. Uh, So, Someone in those conferences is also not going to play a conference Plenty matchup of independence. In, those, in that weekend. Got a couple more independents too. So I think you have the teams. And if you wanted to play a series with an Eastern team too, I mean, that's there's the Hockey East and Atlantic Hockey are also um, at an odd number. So with that, well, so with Atlantic Hockey and Big Ten, that means that Penn State's playing an Atlantic Hockey team that last weekend. If they if they are if they get a bye week, we know that they're hitting up the Atlantic Hockey. Um, so maybe our options are a little limited. Um, did if you Penn see, State's got that bye? Did weekend. you see Notre Dame's schedule? I think it was Notre. Dame's. I didn't. Good Lord, I was actually looking because Big Ten's usually the one the last 
conference to announce their schedules, even their non-conference a lot of times. And I was, so they didn't, I didn't see a Penn state schedule because I was curious to see how much they loaded it up with Atlantic hockey, but they didn't have theirs out. But then I, some of the Atlantic teams have, so I was like going to Mercyhurst to see if they had scheduled Penn state or whatever. I saw like an I think army's got Penn state. There was less, less Atlantic teams than I thought that had scheduled Penn state, but a lot of these teams haven't announced a lot of the Atlantic teams uh, haven't announced their schedules either. So I'm anticipating that Penn state's got a lot of Atlantic teams coming up next year, but I couldn't verify cause I was kind of doing it individually by program, but yeah, I didn't see Notre Dame's. I, I, I think I remember we talked, uh, they got Augustana. So they got honest Augustana, obviously uh, at home. Uh, but it, it, it's just the fact that they have a one away non-conference game and it's against Rochester. RIT. Just a single just one game. single game. Not even, Not a, even series. a series. <laughs> one game. Home against Clarkson. What home against BU. Home against Mercyhurst. They, I guess, have one single home game against uh, Boston College. So I guess that's something typically play them every year <laughs> but catholic catholic yeah, war. Right, exactly catholic on catholic prime uh but yeah one single game there at, at rit is their only away game that's it they don't like go up to another no. team in that region nope. it's just a one-off at least that's what's announced game. as of right now but they had like a fancy infographic at it and i just laughed <laughs> what a joke yeah that's uh that's not so much. So, getting back to the scheduling implications. Anyway, back to the fish story. <laughs> you're going to choke on that bourbon. I made you. I made you laugh here. Right, right when you're right about to I take the drink. That's so, okay. I'll taste it twice. That's, that's fine. The disaster that's zone. Fine. That's right. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's. This is true. Wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of, if not official agreement, unofficial agreement between coaches of at least the Western conferences, let's say to ensure, cause I just, I, I can just, I mean, I, we're not talking NCAA issue now. I, just imagine Motsko having the idea that someone's got a bye week oh, God. before the playoffs. <laughs> it's just not going to fly. So Turn and I, I would imagine there's coaches yeah. In the NCHC that feel the same way, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is made somewhat official or some maybe sort of they have to pinky promise that they'll that. have a really hard practice that week, so, so they'll be fatigued. <laughs> See how that works, yeah. So you're you're leaving it to them yep. to be on their honor, just okay. Yeah, just uh, scouts no honor. potential hiccups there, no. yeah. Um, but so then the tournament, the tournament and then the playoffs would be the last sort of you know schedule implications that need to be ironed out because nothing has been made official with this regard, but something's got to be done with the playoffs right now. Eight teams it's real easy because just, you play one versus eight, two versus seven, so on for the first round on campus. And then the four winners of those series go on to the neutral site tournament at the X, but now with nine, you got to do something with that ninth, ninth team. I suppose the easiest solution would be to just dump the ninth team and then continue on as you had been just doing one versus eight, two versus seven and so on. But, or you could do what the big 10 does and they give the number one seed a buy 
for the first week. So instead of them playing, you get two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. And then the lowest remaining seed out of that first round plays number one seed second weekend. In this way, you're kind of giving the first round by to the conference champions, kind of a reward for winning the regular season title. The problem with implementing that in the NCHC is the fact that Big Ten plays all of their tournament on campus. So what I would imagine the hiccup... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's only one game, right? For the second and the third round of the Big Ten. So the first round is two out of three. But then after that, the semifinals and the finals are just single games. Also at the rank of the higher seed, which that's not what... This, the I mean, those rounds are played at the neutral site at the X for the NCHC. So I'm I'm less confident that that format would be adopted by the NCHC because of this. Instead of giving the first place team the reward of a bye and then home games for the rest of the playoffs, you'd give them the bye, which might be a reward, but you're also cutting them off from revenue from hosting playoff games. Yep. So it's like, you know, if St. Cloud were to win the tournament, and then they weren't able to get extra revenue from hosting a playoff series. That I, I that's not ideal. Um, and and then you so, have to, you know, not only extra revenue from you know fans coming in, but also season ticket holders who prepay for right? that. Right. Um, you would have to either. I mean, most of them would roll into the next year, but um, you know, if they don't, you'd have to pay that out of pocket. Then, which, right. Now I can see some coaches being like, you know what? We get the week off. That's more valuable than the gate. Um, I can anticipate programs like St. Cloud being like, no, the gate is very important and we shouldn't lose potential revenue by winning the conference regular season. So that could be a split issue. My suggestion, how to handle this would be as such, have a play in game with the eight, nine teams. So Who's ever eighth hosts a one and done. If we're starting the playoffs on the Friday, have the one and done be either Tuesday or Tuesday or Wednesday prior to the playoffs starting one and done at the eight at the number eight team hosting the ninth team. Whoever wins that would then slot into the eighth seed and then go on the road to play the one seed in the first round on that Friday on short rest. Yes, you're playing short rest, but you were either the eighth or the ninth team. You don't really deserve a whole lot of rest in that case. And in this scenario, one other team gets some gate revenue. Either whoever's ever eighth place gets a gets another gate, gets another day where they can open the gates and bring in that revenue. So it's more revenue. Whereas prior to this, we weren't playing such a play-in game. So it's just extra revenue that we're adding. Uh and then in this scenario, everyone else would still be playing on the regular schedule and the number one seed would be able to collect their revenue from a first round playoff series. And you're also including all nine teams. You're not dumping the ninth place team. They still get to participate in the tournament and they have a chance to go on and they could win the whole thing if they wanted to. So that's why I think that is my best solution to this. What's yours? Why are you thinking they should handle the play? I love your solution. And that's not, that's something even that I never even thought of. 
Um, that's why we that's have, why we this, have podcast. this podcast. It's my right? brilliant ideas. And the only thing is that you have, there you go, is, is that you have um, the, you know, you play Friday, Saturday. Just, I'm thinking of, you know, the eight and nine, or mostly the nine, like logistically, you know, planning a trip somewhere in a two day span to also, you know, school wise studies. That, that's, oh, yeah. I mean, It'll be an inconvenience. Yeah, that, that, I mean, my comeback would be don't finish ninth, would be my comeback. <laughs> that's true. I, 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 I don't disagree with that. Yes. Um, but like, it, think about this too. This could be one positive or negative based on how you look at it. There could be some battling between seventh and eighth team in seventh being like, you know what? We want that extra. We want that play in game. We'd rather be eighth than seventh. Think about it. We could be seventh, get our ass kicked by the two seed and just go home. Or we could drop to eighth, play a meaningless, relatively speaking, playing game, game, collect some revenue for that for that home game, and then get our ass kicked by the by the one seed. So there could be some shenanigans with that if there was like a one point difference between seventh and eighth last weekend of the regular season. Could see is some uh, creative, some creative uh, line shuffling and right third string goalie <laughs> uh, appearances. Some possible shenanigans there, and you don't want to create a solution where there's a potential to have a team think that they can gain by losing. So that is a, it's certainly a negative and, in that. Although, the, like I said, and, it might be entertaining words to watch. Of workaholics, let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. <laughs> let's get weird. Uh, that, that would definitely do it. We can get real weird with it real quick. I like it. Uh, I root. I mean, I root for all chaos, so I'm all for that. Um, mm-hmm. My original thought was that yeah, one seed would get a buy, and then you would go through you know, you know, two nine, et cetera, et cetera, um, and then you would have five teams, right? That's that's another possibility okay. of doing it. So then, then, then you the could just expand the XL, yeah, expand the section. XL. So you I'll would turn. have a, you know, you would go back to the a final five type format of before the third pl- or after the third place game was eliminated. So it would just be the final five teams. Get that trademark back. Bring back the actual name of the final. Probably Bradbury has that trademark, or Bradbury's daughter, or whatever <laughs> has that trademark. Anyway, <laughs> wrestle it away from her, and then bring back that whole for- because i still call it the fi- i'm like a boomer when it comes to that I, I still mess up when trying to call it the frozen face off so see i think that's if not so then the conference gets as good of an idea um from from all yeah, that's and perhaps there's a way for them to say we'll give the number one seed a little higher of a percentage of the revenue because you didn't get a home game in the playoffs um Perhaps there could be an arrangement there because I think for a lot of fans, it would be an attractive proposal to get an extra day of the final of what we're referring to as the final five to get one extra play trademark pressure be on Thursday. Assuming. And so now the, 
so I like that idea, and I wouldn't be shocked if that something like that is adopted. My my hesitation there would be look at what attendance was last year, especially the non North Dakota section of that tournament, very poorly mm-hmm. attended. And it's not like 2007 where right. that Thursday play-in game, we're still counting on the overflow of everyone else coming and Michigan Tech fans coming no matter what. It's times have changed. And I, I just hope, I, I just fear that renting out the X for another night yeah. and then having 4,000 people show up for a play-in game between Western Michigan and uh, CC ain't going to be a, as great of a draw as it was in, you know, the thick of the WCHA days. So there's maybe some more risk involved with that, but from a seller standpoint, I do think that that would be attractive as well. And like I said, if there was a way to pay off, so to speak, the number one seed for not having a couple of home games the week before, give them a little bit more higher chunk of the revenue, perhaps that could suffice uh, for those coaches and programs who wouldn't like the idea of losing out on some revenue. So yeah, I would say that's, that's as good of a solution as mine, but yeah. So we'll see. We, that mine was is a lot less up weird, in the air, which, uh, but yet it's more tradition rich. Tradition. And so tradition that, and yeah, that hockey's an old school sport. There's some that really would be attracted to that sort of concept. Do you have? Do you so have, I guess we'll do you see. Have a That's, favorite song from Fiddler on the Roof, and is it tradition? I have not. I have never seen it. I have been watching this seventy-one through seventy-three movies in that time period. Okay, so, I, so I've, you're past I've seen Watergate quite a lot right now. Right or is this no, pre Watergate? No, not, not well. I mean, Watergate technically has okay. happened, uh, but it hasn't really been a. Uh, it hasn't reached Hollywood oh, yet, gotcha. so to speak. And so, but in this time period, I, I'm sort of wrapping it up. But I kind of want to at least pick off the best box office. So I was looking at like the top twenty box office movies from each of those years, and I might have I don't know ten left between all three years. One of them is Fiddler on the Roof. I've never seen it before. And I, I like musicals. I don't love them. Um, that one's like three hours long. Yeah. I, I feel like I want to see it though, because and just it's, like every musical, it's one of it's those very front heavy. I mean, I, I love musicals, but man, some of those second acts drag on. <laughs> and I mean, music man, I think is like a prime, like bullet point. Like all the good songs are in your top half. Like get that Wells Fargo wagon out of here. Don't care. Bring back, you got trouble. Anyway. So, yeah, it's one of those cultural uh, touchstones that I, I'm i aware of. I just have never consumed it. Gotcha. So I feel like it would be helpful to at least watch it sometime. So that probably will be sometime in the future. When I do watch you it, let me know. I'm sure, and let I'm you know. sure it's going to be if I were a rich man, because uh, that's my favorite, even though I like tradition. I think that... See, you've done the tradition thing before, and I went right over. Didn't know that um, you were doing a reference. That's the name of a song, or is that like a lyric from it's the name of the songs? Song. I okay, think well, it's the name of the song. That gives but... me that gives me more of a reason to watch it. 
is to circle that square and to uh to to get the tradition reference yes i thought it was a reference but i thought it was like a family guy reference oh. or something that i just didn't i get. mean so seth I would not have guessed filler on the seth mcfarland pretty much rips off like every musical anyway in a lot of his references right. so he probably did reference it in family guy Speaking and that's of literally music, what like man, the chorus like there's so many people who think shapoopy is from family guy and not from the music man because of that whole sequence in one episode of family guy and see that's another one right i've never seen the music man but i know some things about it 76 trombones 76, you got trouble set in iowa set in, yep. right river city iowa and it's about some guy that like um is it kind of like a uh, producer's setup where it's like they he makes a show to tr- sort of just get a quick money grab, but um, it's not kind of no. like a fraud. I mean, it's definitely situation. fraud. Yeah, he. Um, well, he's a, he's essentially kind of a, just a slimy snailsman. So he goes from town to town, sells um, musical instruments, and then leaves towns before they're delivered with all their money, <laughs> and he just. Got but it. then he finds this uh, little podunk town in Iowa and uh, meets Marion, the librarian, and um, ends up finding love. And there's more purpose in life uh, and whatnot. So. A side note, too. I, I have always enjoyed how you pronounce Iowa. Say what, it again. What do you mean? You kind of like Iowa. Iowa. Say it. Say it. Iowa. I like it. In in music, like man, it. they say Iowa at some points. <laughs> from Iowa. Anyway. Uh, so. I should now, we should now pronounce that Iowa from, from Well, home, I mean, from, we from, don't need to pronounce it because they don't, they don't have a college hockey team. So we got plenty That's of USHL. Not yet. Not yet. I've heard Iowa uh, is on right the next to Illinois, next to that guy who has yep. been tweeting for about ten years uh, and trying to sell his account that Illinois is about. Uh, that is correct. Well, we are officially in we, the ditch right yeah. now, and we've got to climb our way out. But yeah, so I think we've touched on like implications here for mm-hmm. from Arizona State joining the NCHC. We'll certainly up uh, update you as if you're hinging on us for your college hockey as but once be. we find out once you once we find out what those postseason implications are we'll be sure to discuss yeah. them uh but sounds like i got a pretty good idea so if that it can be um sent to heather weems's direction about my eight nine uh single game elimination, i'll talk to her at the next school board uh, meeting do that Please do and see if we can get that going. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it for the ASU topic, unless you had um, anything I else. Got, I got nothing. So, I mean, we can switch over to actual SESU, maybe a little bit of minor yes. roster news. Um, mm-hmm. But um, Leo Gruba, um, it looks like he is going to be um, asked to go back for another year. Now, I believe he actually signed as um, uh, an ally. Uh, so he would have to ask permission to get released. Usually in these cases, like if he really wants to go somewhere else, like St. Cloud would, would, or that college would grant it anyway. But um, once you sign that, it has to be within a window of you actually coming to campus. You, you, that can't be 
held until next I year. I think it can. He would have to sign another NLI. That I don't know. I, w- I was under the impression that is just a commitment, like a one-year commitment to that college. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily yeah, the next year or if it's just one year in general. It might need to be yeah, renewed. It yeah, be renewed. It, it might not. Um, From what I'm hearing, he seems to be down with his plan yes. as well. It's not like he's. this has been against his will. Uh, he feels like he could use another year of seasoning as well. So sounds like they're all on board here. Newsflash, I was wrong on this one. My intuition was telling me that Gruba was going to come. I, I think mine was. My too. intuition yep. thought that he might. My intuition thought that he might be drafted. That did not uh, prove to be true. But, so swing and a miss twice on my on my end. But who was but, drafted um, was Warren Clark. Yep. Um, who is also coming who in? Is going to be fall. coming in this fall. Uh, he was drafted by uh, St. Cloud South, uh, Tampa Bay. Um, yep. And so he is. So he, him coming in. I mean, I guess in my head, kind of taking Leo Gruba's spot. Uh, but we were talking about in the previous podcast before, you know, the draft podcast that, I mean, this, this D is, is, is solid. And not only that, but like, it's tough to yeah. crack. So bringing another freshman, I think would have been a really big hindrance to um, really Gruba's development in general. Um, so I think he kind of saw that, you know, too, and being on board with that as, as well. So. Um. Yeah. So I was a little bit uh, surprised by that, uh, but uh, you know I'll keep following him, uh, Gruba especially. You know, obviously uh, Gavin Thorson, which you know I, you know you could say maybe a little bit surprised he wasn't drafted, but at the same time he's you know five six or something. I don't think he's that short, but but big, but he's that, I mean but... he, you know five eight five nine. You're you're not going to get drafted, right. and he hasn't played a full year yeah, of juniors so. yet. I still, there's probably a better chance of him getting drafted yep. next year. Exactly. I think wouldn't be shocked if I, I, I would, I would be, I think I'd be surprised if he was not drafted yep. next year. Like I would put my, uh, the odds on that he will be drafted eventually, but just not this year. But yeah, Clark uh, should mention him. I mean, 18 years old, so he's going to be young, mm-hmm. um, big kid. I think he needs to add a little bit of bulk uh, to kind of build out the body a little bit, but like Gruba, guy that's sort of on a fast trajectory yeah. here. He's really sort of played his way into, as it turned out, NHL draft status fairly quickly. I believe his uh, recruitment was announced during the year last, like November, December of last year. So um, Canadian. So we got another Canuck coming to the, to the program. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see him. I, I was not ex- anticipating him to be on the Huskies so quick. Mm-hmm. And he was drafted by the, in the USHL draft prior to obviously being drafted in the NHL in anticipation of him playing a year at the USHL. He was doing his juniors up in Canada this last year. So no USHL experience, but from what I, all I can gather, pretty good, pretty solid prospect. And the youth gives you know, gives me a little pause in that we might see some growing pains. I mean, this is going to be quite the step up in competition and also step up in age as far as his competitors go. Like he's going to go from playing against fellow 18-year-olds and 17-year-olds to playing against 22, 23, 24-year-olds. 
and that can be an adjustment. Fun fact. You know, so uh, my wife and I first dance was to the Growing Pains theme song. So <laughs> that is not actually a lie. That was actually our first dance. So. Oh, God. This is good. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Warren, Warren Clark, welcome to the fold. And from one Clark to uh, another. Leo Gruba. Oh. I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not going to do it. Nope. I already did do it. I just was saying Leo Gruba, we will see you next year. Don't move. Don't change your commit. Yeah. I'm really still really excited to see him play too. So hopefully this time next year, we can be anticipating you're coming to the fall next year. Exactly. But now from one Clark to to another another. before and after, if you're Vanna white turning letters here, uh, Clark Gooster. Uh, added as officially a third coach, uh, NCAA rules or committee. I guess I don't know the ins and outs of the backstory behind it, but um, you can uh, officially allow another assistant coach on the staff. And uh, Clark, uh, who was the video, et cetera, et cetera. Coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's like the earpiece yeah. wearer, you know, the guy that's kind of going to, advise whether or not they should do like a coach's challenge or coach's review. He was kind of in charge of that, but most, most of his, if not all of his time last year was spent like in the press box or in the booth, like not, not behind the bench. Whereas it sounds like he would be more of a behind the bench in a, in a behind the bench role for this year. Yeah. And that was a a recent change from the NCAA. It's got to do with like, a paid third coach. They would have, they had a, a goalie coach that was on a volunteer basis. And I'm blanking on his name. I think his first name was Matt. I can't remember what his last name was, but you, sometimes you saw him on the bench last year. Um, but now, so you can have three coaches, three paid coaches on the bench during the game. And so if you look at, and I believe that change like was made official, maybe the beginning of July, you can see if you go on us show, like the, their latest, like twelve to twenty, like news items are all teams yeah, yeah. hiring a third yeah. coach. So that 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 time period must have the calendar where that uh, period of availability to hire a third coach must have opened relatively recently because it seems like everyone is making this hire. Uh, and so, yeah, he was already sort of in the program in a in a lesser role. Now he's kind of fully fledged assistant coach. So no real surprise. Congrats to Cooster, and uh, I guess uh, condolences to those who didn't get the position. If there was any other applicants, uh, me. But uh, and I, I wonder I what happened to the uh, yeah. I wonder what happened to the to the volunteer goalie coach because I don't know if they can do the volunteer coach. I think this may have replaced the volunteer role. Um, so I'm not sure if that's a possibility. Anymore. I mean, you but, could have a volunteer. Cause it's just a guy hanging out at that point, right? A volunteer coach. It's the NCAA. Uh, they, I mean, one thing they love doing is coming up with regulations no uh, and, and some pointless ones at that. Okay. So, yeah, it wouldn't be past them to say no. You cannot have free help anymore. So, uh, but congrats to Cooster. Uh, we look forward to your very valuable contributions to the coaching staff. Uh, and then, uh, so that's kind of all the news notes, uh, items. Uh, we do have the, uh, all time vote results in the snub. 
but I believe, uh, or the snub team and, uh, are, are some questions as well. So, uh, but I do believe, uh, Andrew, you said that you've got a sponsor, uh, that we've got a sponsor. I here did line up a sponsor. I, I got to pull it up here. Today. I haven't read this um, one yet. We do appreciate obviously all of our sponsors and yep. we got a new one and this we got, week too. We got a new so. one. And, um, you know, it's just it's just great to know that they really recognize the importance of the integrity of the Husky Hockey Podcast and our commitment to outstanding journalism and um, effectiveness. Here, here. <laughs> so, uh, from our perspective, you know, this is a difficult show yeah, to produce, and got to keep the lights time consuming, time consuming, and. Uh, you know, we always have uh, a great time figuring out the technical aspects uh, of, of hooking up mics and headphones. And there's always a good five minute stretch there at the beginning of recording this where we just have to court, collaborate everything. So I, this is just to say, yes, we, we very I much will appreciate say, though, it. I, I had problems with my microphone here uh, before this show, but it was really cute hearing uh, Luke using my microphone to sing let it go um with the headset on so like he like was like yeah that that might be in his future i mean he screwed up a lot of settings and i had a lot of things to do but uh you know the joy of parenthood right there is that cute little moment for the first second after he said let it go i i thought you said let it be oh i don't think so there was a weird sort of um a weird uh, disconnect there between going from imagining a kid singing, let it be to a kid singing, let it go for a split second there. I had some deep respect for Luke. I'll say that, but no, not that I don't have respect for him. No, no. I, I don't know a lot of You're kids. On, how old is he? I don't know a lot of three-year-olds jamming out to let it be. Yeah. Three year olds. <laughs> say if he's three years old and already picking up on the Lennon, Lennon McCartney songbook. We's he's got some promise. Uh, his his, his B side is Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Gen Z yeah. B side refers to the old records that usually have one side. See now you gotta now you gotta go in to explain uh, what a record is. But no vinyls before we get too sidetracked. Back. Vinyls coming back. So it's, that's so right. That's false. No B sides not good. necessarily. Anyway, we have a sponsor. So. Yep. Uh, let me pull it up here. All right. Got it. Great. All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hanson CBD Oil. Founded in Big Lake, Minnesota, Hanson CBD Oil has been satisfying customers since its inception in 1956. CBD stands for cars, boats, and decks. And Hanson CBD Oil is your go-to oil for cleaning. For cleaning, you guessed it, cars, boats, and decks. This multi-surface oil can be used on all metal and wood products and is especially formulated to tackle any grease, dirt, and grime. Listeners to the Huskies Hockey Podcast can receive 20% off their first order by using the promo code HUSKY at HansonCBD.com. That's Hanson's, H-A-N-S-O-N-S, CBD.com, promo code HUSKY. Hanson's CBD oil has been around for nearly 70 years and they're not changing their name. Please don't prank call them using a Cheech and Chong impression. It was barely funny the first time and really not funny the 50th time. Hanson's offers no medical products, and if you have any medical questions, please seek a medical professional. Hanson CBD oil, because you just can't clean your deck without it. Hanson CBD. 
Thank you so much to Hanson's uh, for for sponsoring us in the Husky Hockey Podcast. Uh, so we got our all time results for the all time uh, Husky Hockey Podcast. Yes. I realized that like for uh, for the you know, it's probably anticlimactic because people could pro- look at it on Twitter. I probably should have had it both like in a Google form or something like that for a little bit of, um, you know, secrecy or whatnot. But you know, that's not the case. Maybe next, maybe next time we do this, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. But um, yeah, you thought that you were gonna end up in third at the beginning with your with your uh, with your guess. And I would say, actually, you ended up second. You got 33% of the vote. Really? Yep. And not, not right. only that, you actually well, jumped it. out to an early lead, too. Um, so that uh, you were definitely in the... Um, that, that, was, that was from all the mail-in ballots. I, I right? stopped the vote. I think is actually what you were. So I, was I, would, wait, I was waiting. It was those late those ballots, ballots that, came that came in. in. For Go Huskies Woo, um, <sighs> who ended up taking it. This smells fraudulent. Right, doesn't it? It just uh. feels icky. So we probably, <laughs> probably bribed up. Uh, but uh, Zamora and myself, I I was in third with 14%, barely over Euro with 13%. So uh 40 percent of the vote went to go huskies woo 33 to you then 14 and 13 and um well i think i think kind of my big thing i realized i just went too old and i think i should have gone maybe a little bit more uh you know recent names uh i think you know tanu and satterdalen isn't really uh ruffling the feathers for a lot of the uh for the fact that we didn't know how to pronounce I mean, heinous hanu uh however you pronounce it probably didn't didn't, didn't uh fare yeah. too well for you um, but yeah that's possible I, I mean so my my big regret and we talked a little bit about it on the show i reached for leblah yeah so my my big my big thing if i were to do it again how I how I did my research, I really didn't look at stat sheets, yeah. which I think you I, sort of like, maybe overlooked in on that hardcore. You're just kind of looking at the, the all time points yep. leaders, essentially. Yep. I stayed away from it, it in in the sense that I didn't want to be swayed by the numbers entirely. I probably should have consulted a little bit more, though, in retrospect. I think I would have been happiest. I should have just taken Cullen in the first round instead of LeBlanc and then tried when I got Dowd in the later rounds as sort of my extra forward, try to get LeBlanc in that pick. Because it sounds like no one really is in a hurry to pick LeBlanc. So I overrated him. I think if I would have swapped out Cullen with Colin, basically Colin for Dowd, and then just keep keep LeBlanc on the team. I would have been happier with that. I still don't think I would have won, basically because Go Huskies Woo is a Go Huskies Woo, <laughs> and also he had finger. Yeah. So who's ever, whoever took the finger was like odds on favorite to to win the the, pay, the fan poll. So 
I don't think it would have put me over the top. I just would have been a little bit happier with my uh, team. I mean, that and, and the, the the one thing I have to chalk up to that is my age. Yeah. If exactly. I was if I was more familiar, like seeing Colin play as a Husky, it would have stood out more to my in my head. And that's just that's my fault for not for not factoring that into my decision making. So that was my, but I was really happy with the rest of the team that I had. Um, I liked the, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I thought the Hedekin pick was great. Um, and I liked how the rest of the team, and, and I do like that. I did have a variance of the era. Just, uh, which, just uh, for reference, uh, Andrew's team, Drew LeBlanc, Johnny Bradzinski, Andreas Nodal up front, Hedekin and Perbix on the back end with Scotty Meyer in goal, Dowd and Anhorn, which I, Still think is uh is quite the uh quite the pick there as your extra defense, but um and, and perhaps I mean you're saying that you you might have been hampered by picking a lot of old players. I may have been benefited with the amount of newish players that I had on my team. So I mean I think there is a recency bias built into Twitter oh, users. Yeah. The demographics of Twitter users are just going to skew a little younger. So perhaps my philosophy worked out in that regard, but, but yeah, looking at like, cause when you mentioned Joe Motzko, like I am familiar with him again, he's before my time as you know, on campus, but yeah, I was shocked. I, I know he played in the NHL. Isn't he on the Stanley cup for like playing in, in like a shift for the ducks in their cup run. Um, so I'm certainly familiar with him, but I had if you would have asked me how many points he had as a Husky, I would have been 50-plus points yeah. off. I had no idea he had such a good career for the Huskies. So guys like that, I didn't even consider. Uh, and and so it would have been helpful at least to look at the list just to give me the ballpark of what I'm dealing with here. Because then it, it worked against me with LeBlanc because the Hobie really skewed me towards sure. that. Looking at the rest of his career – yeah, he's underwhelming from a point production standpoint. And so it's like, yeah, it's just dumb. I should have just kept it simple. Cullen was like second on my list for as far as forwards go. It's like the emotions came, they overtook me uh, with, with Drew. And I don't, I don't regret picking him. It's just, I should, I, I would have been able to pick him later and I would have gotten a better pick in the yeah. first round. Yeah. So. But I mean that, and that's the whole thing is how you value people in, in everything it can be so different from person to person. That's what made the draft, I think, so interesting. Um, I mean, I mean, you look at Samora drafting Gepford with his third pick. I mean, I thought that was incredibly interesting because I was like, I'm going to pick goalie last because just just because I think, you know, you go through the top four goalies, you're still going to get a solid goalie, you know. So right, and that actually, although I do think he had he picked the he best did. goalie. Yeah, I'll say that. Um, but at the same time is that, you know, it, it kind of shows also on the snub list because as I was going through calculating all the votes for all the snub, there were so many people or so many goalies here that that were even picked that I was like, wow, that's uh, that, that's quite the name that you pulled. Um, so that was kind of kind of interesting when it comes to that. So, um you know, if you want, let's go through the snub list then. This, the uh, the the yeah. uh, Husky Hockey Podcast fan listener snub team, uh, which I got to find a better name for. 
but that it's it's uh the list of um you know i just sent out a, a google form uh just uh put it out on my socials and said hey who did we miss um and so you had them fill out the exact number of players that that we correct. all picked yep four four forwards three defensemen and then and i goal. combined everybody's and it is good every how many how many submissions how many raw submissions did you uh, about 40 Fuck, yeah really like like wow. this was a lot more work than i thought it would be <laughs> And we still ended up well, with ties yeah, in, no, in, in positions. So, All right, which, well, which really um, emphasizes like how hard this was to even even pick. Because I thought when I asked you how many, I thought you were going to say like no. eight. So like, that's good. Looking that's at great. this team, like this team, this team's good. <laughs> like I have no problem. So now, okay, so you picked whoever came the, the top four forwards yep. out of all the mm-hmm. submissions, and then. Okay, so right, hit me. Perfect. What, what we Go got? forward. The leading forward getter in the snub team, Ben Hanowski. Okay. Um, uh, and then the uh, other two starting forwards, Robbie Jackson and Patrick Newell. Okay. Uh, um, my biggest snub, I think, is probably the one that I should have got uh, for defense, Doobie Westcott. I should have picked Doovie as my last. We guest. discussed that. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kevin Gravel on defense. Okay. Uh, Brian Lietza was in goalie. Now, I mean. Really? I mean, we had. Really? We had Lietza, We had uh, Montgomery. We had Dan Dunn. We had Jeff Smith. We had. Wazowski. We had Wazowski. Right? We had a whole list of goalies. We had a Tim Boron answer. <laughs> So, like, I was really surprised at the depth of answers for for gold. Did like Caster? Did he Caster get any votes? got votes? Yep. I'm trying to think. Yep. I'm trying to think like the recency so. bias. If there was anything, I, I'm shocked that Lisa was was the number one goalie out of that. But so I think per- I had to, like I I texted you uh, shortly after that, digging doing some more digging about goalies. Mike Lee's name was brought Mike up. Mike Lee, obviously. sort of. Um, well, his name was kind of trashed <laughs> by a couple of other people. On I show. I did kind of trash him. I think I think I've. What's that? I kind of trashed him. I don't think you. I did. you did. Okay. Well, he didn't beat North Dakota. Uh, That's my whole crux about I everything like, is that he did not beat North Dakota once. Faringer. Yeah, I feel Faringer, like he is another one that was uh, was pretty popular on the list. Listed, okay. But... I just can't imagine Lietza. I I think when because I, I did some some digging, especially on the goalies, Lietza's save percentage in his career was like in the eight eighties. I, I know it's different eras, but his numbers don't really translate very well to to modern day uh, norms. Um, but again, he he was the starter for several mm-hmm. years. I think basically Renak would have broken all of his like longevity records. So like wins, any of like the counting stats, just because of the fact that Renak was there for five years. I think Lietze was like the full-time starter for four years, something like that. So he has the benefit of being the guy for a prolonged period, Uh, which if you're, if you went to games in the nineties, Lietze was a main part of a lot of those teams. So I can, I, it, 
it makes sense. It just still surprises me because I figured there would have been more recent. Yeah, especially as we were options. talking about how, you know, going Saturday all in and, you know, for me and not going right. recent, but like going with Lisa. Like, yeah, that that's surprising. That's a good point. But Mike Lee seems to be a guy that I'm not going to call him a controversial player, but it seems like a guy where you either love him or you hate him. There seems to be no real middle ground with him. Uh, I'm more on the love him side. I appreciate the arguments against him and I understand them. Not being in North Dakota is a big one. (laughs) Trust me. Um, But like I came up to the conclusion because I think it was brought up when Go Huskies Wu took Renak. I said, you know what? I was probably, I was just spitballing. I'm like, you know what? I might, I might take Lee over Renak, which I think really <laughs> did not sit well with him. I think I'm going to double down on that just on the Renak versus Lee point. Okay. Of those two, I might even put Wazlowski above both of them. So I, I'm not even saying Lee is even in the pantheon of the top five goalies that Huskies have ever made in the top 10. I don't know. The tricky part here is, and this maybe gets into the more general problem of comparing eras and then comparing stats across eras. Because you look at Mike Lee's stats versus uh, David Renak's stats. Lee beats him on most metrics. Again, not those counting stats, like the wins and shutouts and stuff like that and minutes played because – Renek played for five years and he was the main starter for most of that time. Whereas Lee was basically here for two and a half years. So he's going to have a lot of those counting stats in Renek's favor, but save percentage wise goals against Lee beats him on most metrics. Renek didn't have a, I think his nine twenty was his high water mark. I, I, I took much more detailed notes and I was trying to find them earlier today and I lost them. So my apologies, I would have had more detailed arguments here, but trust me, when I, I had, did do the research, and so in terms of save percentage, Lee comes out better than Renak. The problem there, though, is save percentage isn't a great metric. Big difference between the time at Lee's uh, playing days versus Renak. St. Cloud was a much different team in those two eras. In the 09 to 12 window, 2010. Yeah, he's there 09. Yeah, 09 to 12 is when Lee was there. If you look on like CHN and you look at like shots for and shots against, in all of those years, St. Cloud was outshot as a team, meaning the majority of the shots in each game were taken by the opponent, meaning that, that Lee had more of a workload to face versus the teams that Renak uh, was on. Those are all teams where St. Cloud was the offensively more producing team. So they were leading on shots on goal. They they had more shots on goal versus shots against. Generally speaking, I think the 1920 season, which was like Larson's down year, I think they were outshot as a team that year. But for the bulk of his time here, St. Cloud outshot their opponent, meaning that Renak didn't see as much time as Lee did. So your save percentage is going to be in flux there because in one sense, your save percentage is going to be higher. If you see more shots, Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to have a higher save percentage because you just see a lot more rubber and giving, you can give up four goals, but if you see 45 shots, your save percentage is still going to be over 
90%. Whereas if you see 20 shots a game, which Renek did several times, and you give up three, your save percentage is going to be under nine. So I think there can be a, a bit of a deceiving st- I wish there was better goalie metrics. I wouldn't be surprised if there are better goalie metrics with, you know, the stats and saber metrics revolution in, in sports now. But as far as goalie metrics go, I wish there was a way to quantify like quality of chances versus and weighing that versus quantity of chances. Yeah. And then also like the amount of game time that was in your defensive zone versus the offensive zone. And so what I'm saying is, even though the, the save percentage difference is in Mike Lee's favor, I'm not automatically going to give him the points there. What I'm saying is it ultimately kind of comes down to an eye test. From what I can remember is Lee just had, so because he's, he's playing on a team that usually gets outshot, I feel like, and this is just from memory, which is a very unreliable uh, source. Uh, I feel like he stole more games than Renak did just because of the, like I said, the assignment was different. His team was mainly on its heels versus Renek's teams were mostly an offensive juggernaut. So I feel like Lee stole some more games, and I feel like the the bleeders from Renak stood out more because, more because the action wasn't so heavily tilted in the defensive zone. So those were more letdown opportunities. Now, for your North Dakota point, yes, it's true. Lee never beat North Dakota, uh, and Renak did fairly well against North Dakota. Difference there is North Dakota is a much better team during Lee's yeah. time than Renek's time. Um, so the quality of opponent isn't exactly apples wasn't and oranges. It, I'll also say Faringer's first start was at the Ralph and shut him out. I like think you're right. Or nothing. Well, and so that yeah, it was that 2011, 2012 team, which Lee got yeah. hurt. It was his statistically best season, but he only played not even half the year, 40% of the year, maybe. Uh, started the year and then got hurt. I believe at the time we thought that that injury was going to derail him for the rest of the year, but he was able to come back later in the year and he had a decent playoffs. That's when they beat North uh, Omaha uh, in the uh, home series, which really doesn't mean the final five, which then he lost to, to I mean, everybody beats Omaha Um, Omaha in the playoffs, but he he played, he played that Wisconsin series that you and uh, Zamora went to. Um, So that was later in that season as well. So he had a good, uh, he had that good year, but again, it's it was not a full season, and it's tricky to extrapolate whether or not he would have been able to keep up that pace if he played the entire season. But yeah, I believe that North Dakota series is where Farragher stepped in because that would would have been right when Lee got hurt. And so yes, so Lee never beat North Dakota. I'll say this about Renak: Renak never beat an Atlantic hockey team. So I mean, there's 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 that. Uh, argument. I even double checked that because I know they played, but not for me. I know they, uh, I I wanted to double check that because I know they played that Robert Morris in season tournament in what have been 20, the 18, 19 season Larson's first year. And they played, it got smoked by union. And then they played Robert Morris the next day. And just to make sure that I wanted to make sure that he, if he would have beaten Robert Morris, because they won that game, but Jeff Smith played that game. So Renag did not beat in Atlanta. He was 0 for 2 in his career against the Atlantic hockey teams. The flip side to that is Lee, yes, won the Northern Michigan game, 
But the Wisconsin game, he got pulled in. Mm -hmm. And so Dan Dunn finished that game. Lee gave up three in the first period. So I can't say that Mike Lee was that much better uh, in the NCAA tournament than Renick is. In conclusion, I'll say it's pretty close. (laughs) I can't Uh, believe you said that you lost your notes and then you've been able to rattle off all. This is all, this is all off the top of my head. The other one, the other, the other uh, bullet point is um, if this means anything might mean that scouts and professional teams had more faith than Lee. Lee made it to the NHL. I don't know if he actually got in a game, but I know that Phoenix slash Arizona, whatever they were called back then, called him up. Again, I'm not even sure if he got in the game, but he was an AHLer for them. Whereas Renak, he played in the ECHL and now he's going to play overseas. So, I mean, Renak never really advanced in the pro ranks in North America, whereas Lee, at least on paper, made an NHL salary for a couple of games. So that's my other sort of bullet point. If we're just, again, comparing those two. And again, I might put Wazlowski above both of them. Uh, I might, I probably wouldn't put Farragher. It would probably, I would probably put Lee, what would that be? Sixth on the list. So, and if you want to complain about that, I certainly understand. And I've given you these sort of bullet points as, as far as why gotcha. Mike Lee was wanting in some categories as well. But this is just to say, these are the kind of things, the tangents that I really appreciated. Uh, and I love going down these rabbit holes. It's almost a shame that we can't, like, this isn't like a yearly idea. Like, we can't do this we'll do draft. draft every year. This isn't like easily replicable. Yeah. Because it feels like something that would be like a classic yearly episode. But unless we want to add, you know, ask two other people uh, next year to Just do it, shuffle. maybe like five yeah, years from now. Exactly. We'll wait like five years because then we'll have five more years of players to consider. Maybe we'll put a pin in that several years down the road. Dylan and Anhor and might see. be the first overall pick at that point. That's right. Know? Averaging correct. Warren Clark yeah. might be on that on that list. Leo um, So, well, I don't. You know, there's one of two ways I can go right now because there are still the extras, the forwards and the defensemen that I can get to. Oh, I thought so, you covered those. You just had I, the, you just had the top three. I, yeah, I, I just did the three forwards, two defensemen, and the goalie, and then we talked about Lisa, and then Mike Lee, and then you went on your thing. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, did derail so, you. Please, yeah, bring them up. As we're going on your tangent, we could divert really quickly into a random Mike Lee box score. I pulled one up, so let's do it. January 23rd, 2010, St. Cloud State at Minnesota. Guess who the referees were? I thought you were going to pull up one of the. First of all, I thought you were going to bring up the 8-1 to game against North Dakota. (laughs) No. That I think he was in the, I think he gave up the first six. Yeah, but no. Anyway, uh, so 2010 versus the Gophers. So this is Lee's freshman year. My my guess for refs, my guess for refs are always Marco, Marco Hunt, Hunt. Yes. <laughs> and Derek, Derek Shepard. Did they have two? Derek <laughs> Shepard. Okay. So, um, yeah, St. Cloud. Was this at this Mariucci was at, or was uh, that St. Cloud? Mariucci. Uh, this would have been like the the nadir of the Don Lucia days. Yeah. They were terrible. I think this was the year they lost to Anchorage in the playoffs. I think so. Either this year or the next year, but th- they were not good. This is the, I like to refer to it as the Jacob Sepis. And years. that he did have an assist this game. 
Sipas did. Yeah, really? Exactly. Okay. So um, that's when everyone thought like Patrick White was going to be the next big thing for uh, Minnesota hockey. Oh, God. What was he, Grand Rapids? Well, this had been. So. I think so. Um, Would this have been Kangas? Uh, this was Kangas. Yeah. So. so did we say what who won this um, game? If Kangas was in the net, I'm going to say the goal. Uh, St. Cloud won four to one. Really? Uh, four okay. to one. Drop uh, Minnesota to 12, 12 and two on the season. Uh, St. Cloud was 16, seven and three after this. We were, uh, to your point, we were outshot 43 to 21, and we won 4 to 1. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, talking about getting outshot by uh, 40 or so. And you said this was Mike, Mike Lee in net. in net. Yep. So, uh, Mike okay. Lee, uh, 42 out of 43 saves. Would this have been the Friday or the Saturday game? Uh, Saturday. So, did they play in St. Cloud on Friday? Um, or was this the rare two gamer at Mariucci. Uh, let's take a look. Um, yep. They played in, uh, they played in St. Cloud. Yep. Um, and it was a four to three win by St. Cloud state. Dan Dunn played in that game. Okay. Uh, you said this was January of 2010. Yeah. Okay. And I would have been at that game for sure. Yeah. Dan Dunn, uh, his record approved to nine and two after this win. Yeah. Double D. So get get back to the the Mariucci game. Mariucci game. And see if I can. Lash has got to be a scorer. Uh, he is not. He is not, not a scorer. Garrett Rowe. Uh, Garrett Rowe did not score. Did they score any power play uh, goals? No power play goals. Yes. Really? One, one power play goal, and I will give you a thousand guesses. I can give you... <laughs> The, I can give you the roster, uh, and you will not guess the goal scorer for the power yeah, play on goal. the power play goal. I can't imagine he has more than this Same one goal. <laughs> I got to see how many goals he's had. But he was playing on the power play. Was it like the empty netter? Is it like some random defenseman? It, it, it's Did a he, random defense. Does it just say PP? <laughs> yeah, it's a random defense. It was the first goal of the game. Two minutes in, Nick Letty got called for hooking. And then, yeah, first. Brett Barta. That's a good guess. Uh, not, not uh, though. It is not. Uh, Taylor Johnson. Well, I could have gotten there maybe within a day. <laughs> he's not the worst, the deepest cut. I mean, he's not. He but... has more goals than okay. Clark Booster, though. So I guess that's a plus. Uh, he ended the season, or he ended the uh, his career with. I would say that like 10 goals. Okay. So, yeah, he's used these. Um, uh, from Sam Zabkowitz and Garrett Rowe. Um, and then uh, Huskies made it two nothing. Um, uh, David Eddy scored from Garrett Rowe and Tony Mosey. Uh, so it have been Mosey's uh, forty point yep. year. Yep. So, and then uh, early on in the th- the second period, uh, Fessler scored from Lash and Raboyne. Uh, okay. And then in the third period, uh, Minnesota uh, ruins Mike Lee's shutout bid with uh, Cade Fairchild with the goal from Aaron Ness and Jacob Sepas. Sepas. Olympian <laughs> yep. Aaron Ness. And 
probably beer leaguer Jacob Cephas. <laughs> and then empty net gold, make it four to one. Jared Fessler from Ryan Lash. So what, what, three assists for Lash? Uh, two assists. Or no. And how many two for assists. Two assists each. And then and two, two goals, goals for, for Fessler. Fessler. Pretty good. What was the attendance? 10,022. Really? So still, even in a down year, still cranking them out. Um, let's see at the... Quickly, the box score for the four to three minute or St. Cloud victory. Um, I'm going to say for attendance. What do you got? 58, 34. 61.78. Really? Still over 6,000 back then. Okay. I, I thought that might have been because I started going like to every game in 07. And that, that era seemed like after the 08 recession, it seemed like the top would dip from that 61, 62. I mean, they used to get closer to 7,000, like in the early 2000s, but it seemed right around that, those late aughts, it would peak at like 58, 59. But it sounds like it's still, it's, it's probably through the, through the WCHA. And then it's probably tailed off since then, kind of drastically, but that's good. I, I always like going through the, uh, through the random box scores. So we had uh, so yeah, St. Cloud jumped up to a three nothing lead in this game. I think I remember that in no, the home okay. game. Yep, I think I remember that. Just being like, oh, this is kind of boring. We're already up three nothing. Uh how how far into the game? Oh, like ten minutes in? No, I, it was. I mean, Rose scored the third goal. When did they score the third at nineteen fifty one? Of the first, though. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Raboyne from Fessler and Lash, Fessler from Lash and LeBlanc, Rowe from Zabkowitz. And then the second period, uh, Minnesota scored uh, with uh, Tony Lucia from Aaron Ness. Uh, David, David Eddie answered from Tony Mosey and Taylor can. Johnson. What a series for Taylor Johnson. Goal and assist. And Zabkowitz and Fessler. Good and then, series, and then uh, to make it four to two, uh, Cephas from Aaron Ness. There it and is. then uh, on the power play, after uh, Nick Oslin got a contact to the head elbowing call, <laughs> uh, Jake Hansen scored. <laughs> uh, for, Would that have been a five minute? Was it a major no, on no, Oslin? Just a. Okay. Yeah, contact to the head Minor was still head. only uh, two minutes there. In well, these that was also Marco Hunt uh, yeah. refing yeah, this, game. Okay. this game. Yeah. He seemed to always get the Huskies go first games uh, every Jay- single time. And they always, I mean, what does the penalty log, is that kind of full? Because these games would tend to get out of hand and Hunt would struggle at controlling them. Uh, ten penalty from from my memory. Uh, five penalties for Minnesota, ten or four for St. Cloud. So not terrible, yeah. but average. Uh, but Jake Hansen uh, from uh, Cepus and uh, Schroeder, Jordan Schroeder. Oh yeah, remember him too. Remember, he came in highly touted so, on Rovers. Yes. Uh, and then that was it. And then yes, it was, yes. yeah, four to three. And then third period and no scoring there in the third period. So three, nothing lead for the Huskies and they were able to hold on. 
So that was your random box scores. It's a good um, bit. We'll go back to, let's head back to the. Uh, so anyway, the infamous fish story. Yeah, you got these the other, other two players. Uh, the we said his name earlier, the extra forward, Joe Motzko. Yep. Really? And okay. it was really interesting because it was. Well, who who were the other guys that were well, tied? The, the, with him. Do the you big have one was Andrew Gordon. So the fact that Andrew Gordon, like, okay. and and Joe Motzko were like, it would like they would kind of both overtake each other as the time went on for the voting, as the week went on. It was a knockdown, yeah. dragout battle. Motzko yeah, v. Gordon. Exactly. And then uh, for the extra defense, this one a little bit of a surprise. Will Borgen. Um, okay. And a, and who, who would have been the other contender? Spencer Meyer was uh, the one he was tied with. Meyer v. Yep. Borgen. Um, which, uh, you know, kind of surprised me, but I wonder if uh, maybe Borgen got a little bit of a bump because of the contract that he just signed. Um, that maybe he, like, a little more ben relevancy yep. kind of came in. It was like, oh, he played him, put him on the list. Because I, I would probably go Meyer over Borgen on that one. but Yeah, that's a tough one. Because he got Meyer's longevity, yeah, versus Borgen's like NHL resume. The, the captaincy of Meyer, I think, might tip it yeah. in that direction. If I would have, if I would have voted, I think I would have gone slight Meyer, yeah, on that one. Same here. So, and it was between. You said it was between Motsko and mostly, Gordon. Yeah. Um. There was Mike Miller Again. had a couple, but um, uh, Fessler had a couple. Um, but it was mostly, it was mostly, uh, Matsko and Gordon. Yeah, that's a tough one too. And based on the fact that I did research Matsko and was surprised to see how prolific he was based on stat lines, I think Matsko would get the edge. I mean, I saw more of Gordon, but I don't know that Oh three team. That was, that was your, that was the year before you came into campus right that 0203 team because i think that was motzko's best year and they made the tournament that year barely they were basically like a 500 team but they did make the tournament and i think he would have been their leading point scorer if i'm remembering correctly whereas gordon was good but he was never top scorer on the teams that he was on because he was with you know the the lash and row years he was a little bit before too but uh, joe jensen would have been on his team i think for for his first year. So I don't know. That's another tough one too. I, I could go either way, but I, I probably, I, I, I would say I, I largely agree with the Mots yeah. pick there. Um, a couple other people that were, I think uh, Hanowski was like the runaway favorite um, of the snubs. I mean, he was far, everyone else was fairly close in votes. Um, Deer, Deerwood yeah, bank, exactly. baby. Uh, recency again, getting those loans approved. Uh, but Sam Pierre was on a couple people's, uh, Knipshear, uh, was on some, uh, D Kaz and, and then, uh, Lazat got a couple of votes. Ayanazo got a couple, mm-hmm. Coronala got some, so, but there wasn't really any that, uh, kind of eyebrow raising for me when it comes to that defenseman a little bit, um, there were a few surprises. Really? What, what surprised uh, you? Ben Storm got a vote. Uh, 
I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to laugh. Colin but. Peters. But again, um, we had. Yeah, we talked about Storm briefly because he's in the Jared Raby category where he could technically be yep. a swing player. So he could play up front for you as well as in the back end. I bet you Joe Sackick was the one that submitted his name. <laughs> Uh, Derek Eastman, um, Lordson, uh, Eastman actually had a few votes, uh, public had a couple. Um, so there was, yeah. Well, it's, it was a good bit. I'm glad that we got so much response. But like, but like I said, blows me away that we got that. Like I said, I mean, Lisa, I mean, Dean Weasler, Dan Dunn, Farringer, Wazlowski, Montgomery, Jeff Smith, Mike Lee, Faringer. Like, so it's goalies were all over the place. So. And somehow goalies, I mean, rewind to my hour long diatribe about Lee versus Renek, but I'm finding that, that goalies might be the most, you know, emotional. You remember them the most, or you have the clearest sort of memories about, goalies have you been there's that it's a it's like a baseball game but it's morphed into other sports it's the baseball version is called immaculate oh, yeah. grid have you seen anything oh, yeah. like that well there's a hockey version mm-hmm. have you done have you played that no i'm called puck du- i'm puck Duco. Yeah, i'm terrible when it comes to remembering players and where they go especially in the pros yeah well the baseball one, I slaughter. I'm going for guys under 1%. Yeah, I can't um, do that. I'm very good at baseball. The hockey one is much more difficult. Like, most times I can't even fill out the nine names. And, and it's, it is like, I, I do depend on college players. But there's always, like, I, I struggle. I seem The easiest ones for me to remember are goalies. It's like, I can remember goalies the best. Sure. But... I, I struggle with like remembering guys that played with a bunch of different teams because that kind of what helps you with these games is because you're trying to find out players that played with this team and that team. And I struggle to find guys whereas baseball. There's a bunch of guys that play Octavio Dotel played for 12 teams or something like that. I can remember <laughs> that easily, more easily. Uh, but um, as a girl I knew in college that dated Octav- Octavio Dotel as a true story. And Raphael Betancourt, who was a, a reliever for the Cleveland Indians uh, briefly. But anyway, I so I'm saying easier to remember goalies, but then also I just I, – I'm too reliant on the college. I don't – I just don't know. And I uh, the European guys, like I can't – like when I'm thinking about like, European guys, like, it seems like I can only think of Sergei Fedorov. And he <laughs> played with like two teams. So it's like when they see – when they show you the players that most frequent – the most frequent answers – I'm like, oh yeah, bitch, you know, Rich Conoff. Oh, yep, that's right. Yep, totally forgot him. Didn't know he played for the Kraken. Oh, yep, I got it now. So I struggle with that, but it's a good one. It's a good game sure. for me to keep my wits uh, and to, to cycle through names because I'm not as good at the hockey game as I am the baseball one. Yeah. Anyway, um, questions. Hop over to uh, a couple of questions we got on the off-season pod. Um, Dan Jacobson, obviously, um, thank you for writing in. He always gets – he's got the the privilege of being the first question uh, 
he gets the he's like that's that's our bit here for the questions. He always gets yeah, the first the Dan question. Jacobson corner, but uh we can't really answer it because we already did uh, about the NCHC uh going up to 10 or down to 8. Um so we already had a little bit about that. Um Alex Alex Fern, who are your favorite non-SCSU broadcasters in the NCHC? Who are your favorite SCSU broadcasters? <laughs> uh so huge shout out to KBC and I also um, would be remiss if I didn't also mention that my heart goes out to KBSC too, um, for all the people who, um, uh, with Joe's passing, um, who was a big, um, big tutor for a lot of people going through for KBSC. Um, so I know that, uh, she meant a lot for not only, you know, obviously for the athletics, uh, but also for KBSC in general. So, uh, heart goes out to all of them, but, um, KBSC in general, just top notch. Anything, I mean, TV, radio, and St. Cloud State is a, a beacon of excellence. And obviously, KBSC is a huge part of that. Your announcers, I mean, we've always sung your praises here. You guys are great. You guys are wonderful. So, yeah. um, prefer you to the TV announcers or the radio announcers. Not to not to cast aspersions on them, but I just I prefer the passion, the knowledge. And the amount of craft that the KBSC team has consistently mm-hmm. produced. So, yeah, definite, definite shout out and, and uh, keep it up. As far as what other announcers from NCHC yeah. teams, was that the, was that the yeah. question? We, we, we had an episode. We did, we did. last like Christmas break. Yeah. I remember we where we ranked all the streams. All the, all the streams. I don't. Now we didn't rank the stream. We we rank the streams by overall quality, not specifically the announcers, but that was part of the criteria. And anything fish poll, related for both. Omaha, I mean, they're number one on the list. Yeah. So anyway, the infamous fish story. So yeah, if you liked Omaha's anything about their uh, broadcasts, probably skip that podcast because we didn't speak exceedingly loving oh my god that's what we can production. name their section i mean it's miami it's western and it's omaha the dead nchc tv zone <laughs> like just that's terrible not bad because i think like lumping all of the terrible streets those were all there. bottom half <laughs> that's uh, what heather list. weems was doing it was like let's have them all four maybe they'll realize how terrible their streams are so they can get all just they'll all play each other four times and they're all all three of those are where they just pipe in their radio feed on top of the tv feed they don't have a separate tv feed is patch the radio feed on top of the video which you know it's yeah it saves you costs but it's lazy and um at at least with the miami's feed in particular the video sucks terrible Miami, I've said Miami's announcers don't. I don't mind them, but their streams are tough to watch just because the video is not great. Omaha's just got the, the the crown jewel, though, in terms of incompetence because not only do their announcers suck, but their video is often unreliable and can can be quite bad, especially if their contrast issues aren't leveled off. So. Not not Omaha would be my answer. We had North Dakota would have been the number one on both of our lists, 
I don't know if I put their announcers number one. We were mainly putting them up top because of the quality of the video feed and the production value. It's just, it looks like a Bally sports esque quality feed. And so, and Denver was up there. I don't mind Denver's announcers. The Denver, the uh, CC radio guy, Ken Landau. I like, I, you know, going back years, listening to them. I like him. He kind of says it how it is and doesn't beat around the bush. I kind of like him. I wonder, I have no, maybe we have to do an updated version of that list uh, when ASU joins the conference. Cause I have no idea how, how well their video production is. I've watched some of their games, but not enough to have a strong feeling about it. So we do have a new entrant into the conference and we'll have to factor in their media uh, what they bring to the table there, but best in the conference. Yeah. Certainly not Duluth. Um, certainly. I mean, Starman. we got to, I guess we got to uh, consider the uh, national uh, CBS guys. Uh, yeah, I'll go Denver. What about you? I, I don't know. Like Denver. Cause now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I and they have Denver they have two, they have two different, different right? two different play by play guys. They have a the same color guy for the most part. Charlie Post, I think is his name. He's from St. Cloud too. I, I for some reason I know that, but and I think he's decent. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't. I mean, we've already given North Dakota number one for the overall uh, quality. I don't want to give them another number one. Anytime giving North Dakota number Even one. Though I, again, I don't really mind that Heiner or whatever his name is that does the CBS games too. He's fine. I don't think he's spectacular, but he's yeah. serviceable. So, so let's just stick with KVSC. Yep. I think that's yep, the best. Exactly. So, um, uh, Johnny Mac, uh, educated guess for letters on both the men's and the women's team. Um. So I actually, like, I don't really pay a lot of attention to captains and whatnot. So even going through, uh, as I read this question before the show, I was like, yeah, who were our captains? Obviously, Spencer Meyer, but. Me yeah. and you both. So, so even going through, so it was what, Sp- Spalese, um, who obviously. Miller. Miller and then. And Cranola. So, so they're, they're all gone. gone. So they're all be, the entirely new captains. All new year. captains. Or like, are you looking any specific way, or who do you think has got kind of the inside track? Yeah, I mean, you, you go with the you know, upperclassmen and sort of just general team leaders. I think it, it mentioned too. Captains are correct me if I'm wrong. Voted on by the players. Yeah, at St. Cloud, I believe this is not at coaches. I be, yeah, I decision. believe St. Cloud they are voted by. So that can go a lot of different ways. It's less predictable than that. The regard. fact Anhorn um, broke his leg and coming back makes I me like, think yeah. Anhorn's going to be a captain. You know, Okabe will be doing a fifth year. So potential to see perhaps him wear a letter. Who are the other fifth year guys? Do we have any others? Again, I'm on, I'm on summertime yeah, now. I, right? like I, I got to remind myself of... Who all is on this team? But I mean, you got guys like Peart is now uh, 
moving into an upperclassman role. So, uh, potential that he could. Uh, Kupka. Kupka's a good uh, one. Okabe. Um. So it's. I mean, Mietnin's going to be a senior. Just kind of look at the old guys. I mean, Molinar. Ha. Solquist. Yeah, it's run by that name, and that a bell goes off. Says that Solquist is definitely wearing right? a letter. There's no way he's not wearing a letter. <laughs> Much to well, again, if Brett hair. Larson, if Brett Larson does not have a vote, perhaps that crimps his chances. If the coaches <laughs> do have a vote, he's probably wearing the C, <laughs> if uh, not just an A. So, oh, poor guy. And like. You'd think it's weird that so goalies rarely wear mm-hmm. letters, right? Wonder why that is. I mean, I, I guess what's the actual tangible duties of being a captain other than the symbolic naming of a team leader? But like captains are the ones that can communicate with the officials yeah. on the ice. So when there's calls, especially like major calls, or if there's uh, review situations it's the players that are communicating with the refs in those circumstances are the captains or the assistant captains if you don't wear a letter you really can't do that so i think that's kind of a major reason why you don't see goalies wear letters is because it kind of would be awkward for them to leave their net to then hang out by the penalty box as they're reviewing a call so perhaps it just logistically doesn't make sense for goalies to take on that aspect of the captaincy. So, yeah, you're just kind of looking for upperclassmen and then guys that we see just, you know, from watching the games on TV or occasionally in person, just kind of grasping, you know, a guy like Garrett Raboy back in the day, mm-hmm. easy to see him be captain material fairly easily. Spencer Meyer was another one. Uh, where it was fairly easy to connect those dots at an early age in his career at St. Cloud, that he's probably going to move into that role. Salquist is a guy that just fits that bill for me, again, based on just anecdotal viewing uh, of the situation. So, yeah, I, you know, you got guys like Lutke, now going to be a, a junior this this upcoming year. For some reason, I, just, I don't see Mietnin being yeah, a, a letter yeah. wearer. A guy like Molinar wouldn't be surprised. He kind of fits that Spalacy mold where hard worker, grinder type, and he's been around the block. And so he just, they, they just don't have a ton of grizzled vets on this team, which is interesting. So uh, even, if, even if you're not wearing a letter, I think the experienced players are going to take out a, a more outsized role with nurturing the young recruits that are coming in and the, you know, the couple of uh, transfers that are coming in. I mean, we've heard good things about ports who's coming in from North Dakota and he's a local kid. That's another good um, hint, like local guys, St. Cloud area natives tend to wear letters frequently. It would somewhat surprise me for a, a incoming transfer to wear a letter. But now that I'm thinking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if Ports wears a letter because of that connection. We'll see how well he accustoms himself to the locker room. But that's not a bad idea. 
uh, or a, a bad suggestion. So yeah, it's it's interesting to speculate. And as far as the women's team, well, I I, uh, I just want to have my research. my final oh, sure. my final guess on the men's yeah. team is going to be Anhorn as the captain. Assistants are going to be Okabe, Kupka, and Luke. I like that. I'll swap out Lukey for ports. I like Anhorn being the C. Who, who else did you have for assistance? Uh, Kupka and Okabe. I, I, I like Okabe. I like Kupka. So I'll swap out ports with... Uh, no, I we got to have... I think Selquist is going to oh, be Oh, Jesus. So I'll say... You know what? I'm keeping mine. I I'll mean, say Sul- here's the thing. I'm keeping mine, but I know Salkis will be, will be one. <laughs> I'll say Anhorn as the C, Salkis as an A, Kupka as an A, and Ports as an A. That's what I'll say. Yeah, if I were if I were to and redo so that- mine, I'd switch Luki and Salkis. So I'll, I'll I would have. Okay. I might be swinging for the fences. I think you are very again, much swinging for the fences with Ports. <laughs> Because I mean, he's coming just, in. He's going to be a third it's, line. It's the local factor. Third line center. I mean, yeah, but all we have is look at Spalacy. Third line center. Spalacy was a transfer student playing on the fourth line. Sometimes it's the, sometimes the outside advisor can sort of play a Yoda type uh-huh. role. Look at me dropping a Star Wars reference. So, perhaps young Weldy. Uh, ports is captain material. See, I, That's I don't, I can't really bad. speak Yoda, but yeah. very, very bad. <laughs> Keep in mind, was not able to get through the full yeah. Star Wars twice, so I have a limited uh, range for my Yoda impression. But how about the uh, women's team? So we had to captain ports remind movie. ourselves there as well. There we go, <laughs> assistant captain. Uh, All right, uh, women's. You got it. So we had Taylor Lind be the captain last year. Women's is going to be yeah. Women's going to be tough just because I like. I wish I had their roster like available, so I'd have a little bit more of a a guiding point on. We're thinking, yeah, we're thinking that Lind was the captain last year, and she's coming back for fifth year. We believe it's based on trying to coordinate McHatton's reportage uh, as far as the movement. After the season, they've added a bunch of transfers um, and only lost four or five players from last year. Fairly young team they were. And so from what I gather, Lind is available to come back. And if she is coming back, I would assume she's going to remain captain unless that locker room is toxic. (laughs) Generally don't see if there was a captain returning like Meyer did this year for the Huskies. Pretty safe bet that she'll remain captain this coming year. Himmlerova also wore an A last year. We believe she's coming back. The other two assistants last year were Janina Nyland and Geyer, the defenseman, who both of those are fifth-year players, so they're not coming back. So they will not be captains, obviously, because they'll not be with the team. So looking at other options for wearing A's, I'm going to throw out Emma Gentry as a possibility to wear a letter. Her stock is rising. Um, like Himmlerova and Lind, um, she's emerging into a top player, yeah. uh, at least offensively for the team. 
and her and, kind of national stuff yeah, is rising I was too. just going to say national. I, I, I read an article that she's attending this um, uh, camp for USA Hockey that you know, pretty select company there. Like St. Cloud hasn't had a player participate in this offseason camp, summer camp, for a few years. So realizing that her stock is sort of rising in that aspect, wouldn't be surprised if she, and she's also getting into being an upperclassman as well. So I think that's a natural guess. Um, and I always like to look at defensemen as potential captains as well. As far as like guessing which of these captain, which of these defensemen are going to be selected as a, a captain, your, your guess is as good as mine, but I got Gentry. I, I think that's a, a decent pick. And I would, again, assume that both Himmlerova and Lind are going to retain their letters. Any other speculation from your end as far as who you think might have the uh, edge there? I mean, no, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head uh, there. I think I don't see them changing ship when it comes to captains, um, especially with the success that they have been having as of late and is expected to ha- continue on having i think they're definitely on the right track and a change in that's not i wouldn't be in the cards but i do think uh, emma is uh, on on track i'm excited to watch a lot more games here this year that's going to be kind of my main focus too because you said they're all on what big 10 plus you can get them all through big 10 plus you can get a season package for that which i probably will do this year um and it's it might be just like 50 bucks for the season. I don't think it's terribly expensive to get the, just, just Absolutely. for the women's package. And you're getting all WCHA women's yeah. games for that. So. I think all, it, there might be ones that play on the big 10 network, the actual channel that would be blacked out. But for the most part, you're going to get the majority of the games uh, through that app. So yeah, definitely would, we'll, we'll be doing that this, this coming year. And it's interesting to speculate, like we'll be able to know what the roster's, how they're kind of finalized by, you know, mid-September. You know, we looked at the dates last year when they when they announced captains. That was around the 20th-ish of September, a couple of weeks before the season starts. So, uh, yeah, practices, I think, start in earnest, you know, when, once the semester starts in late August, early September. Yeah. So once they kind of hit the ice, gain some chemistry, see how the locker room shakes out, that's how these questions are going to be answered eventually, but it's always nice to speculate, but it's, it's tough to do because the roster still, especially in the women's side is still a little bit. In flux. Especially because women's information is so hard to get in general. It's, yeah. It's just it's terrible. Difficult. To, so, yeah. Um, uh, go Huskies. Woo. Who would win one V one Mario or link? Um, I don't think this is much of a contest. I think link has so many more weapons at his disposal and Mario's biggest weapon is stomping on him. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a no. I mean, you can throw in any really, I, I, I guess, like, if he has the Tanuki suit, how big those, you know, or, you know, if he has a Hammer Brothers suit, you know, how much those Hammer, but, yeah, Cat suit, I mean, is going to claw Link? Come on. No, I don't <laughs> think so. So, um, but, you know, if you want to all always, you know, you can go 99 stock, throw it on Final Destination and Smash Brothers and just have them go to town. No weapons, final destination, how it's supposed to be played for Smash. So, um, and then also, 
uh, he said, any marriage advice for uh, Patrick Newell, who is uh, getting married. So, uh, yes, uh, Patrick Newell, uh, congratulations. Uh, and and uh, good luck. That's my advice. So it's it's, um, you know, listen, communicate. That's uh, that's kind of the biggest thing. And uh, communications, you know, obviously key when it comes to any type of a of a relationship, and communicate with your partner about everything. That's uh, that's that's kind of my key. So that is good. I, I'm sure he's going He'll to appreciate it. Receive that advice sure that from you. As the unmarried uh, host of this podcast, I defer to the married man with this. So everything that he just said, ditto. ditto. Perfect. Uh, well, that about does it uh, on this episode of right the Hockey uh, Podcast. So look at that. Breezy 215. See, it's not like... Uh... Oh, well. That's... That is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's once a month. So That's like a regular like a season regular podcast, exactly. essentially. So, uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, probably next month. Um, I'll give you guys a heads up uh, beforehand, but uh, thank you so much again for listening. Uh, if news breaks, we'll be here to put it together, put our own spin onto it, and we'll think of uh, division names or pod names. Uh, at least, yep. Send us your yep, best suggestions. At least by the beginning of the uh, uh, of the Arizona State uh, season. So, uh, I'm Weldy at More Clappers, M O A R, More Clappers. And Andrew, you can reach him via email. Got an email address, huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Sounds good. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!